My guest today is Phil Kohler, here to talk about his review of The Evil Within. I'm Justin McElroy, and this is Polygon's Quality Control. the first third time i think you were the first second time and the first third time guest i'm i'm basically breaking i'm i'm breaking all the records um you know you put it there you put it in front of me i'm gonna break it i'm gonna do it um the the record has been broken by phil kohler breaking down barriers breaking down borders Mm -hmm. uh and here to talk about the evil within uh a new horror uh, game so far you've done action and driving and horror you're a real jack of all trades i'll you know i'll do whatever um i think next time i'm doing a train sim that's going to be the next one that one i want here it. for quality control um we assume here on quality control that you've already read the review so let's assume that folks have done that let's hop right into it um when you're the the story of this game really is that it is made by shinji mikami who mm-hmm. uh created Resident Evil 4, which is heralded by many to be uh, one of the great horror games, if not the greatest horror game of all time. Um, And and you talk a lot in your review about how some parts of this game, The Within, feel sort of mired in the past uh, and and maybe even have too much of a lineage uh, shared with Resident Evil 4. Um, How do you account as a reviewer for the way a genre has evolved over time. I mean, do you compare it to uh, what is on the market right now? Do you compare it to games in a franchise that have come before? Where do you where do you start with that? For me, it's not so much about comparison. It's not me necessarily saying like this uh, you know, like this isn't as good as X other action horror game. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's more about um just a general sense of what people and and people speaking broadly, but you know, speaking more specifically, what myself, what I expect from uh, from a modern video game. Um, so, in in the case of uh, of the Evil Within, you know, where that comes into play is with something like um, there's a lot of one hit kills. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, there's a lot of uh, of trial and error sections where it's like you you have no way of knowing how to complete this section until you go through it and die and then you have to reload and and do it again um that's stuff that i think over the last 10 years or so since resident evil 4 came out um has been largely uh phased out of games or or if it still is in games it's in it's in games where it makes more sense and i don't think it made sense in this specific game um, you talk in your review uh, about one of the things that worked better for you uh, uh, are, is this variety of environments through some uns- unspecified means. Your uh, your hero is able to jump between different settings, different uh, all sort of upsetting, I would imagine. Not, oh, yeah. Not, not, none, none too pleasant. Uh, but a lot of different settings. Um, traditionally, in, in a lot of horror, both games, movies, books, whatever um, – a lot of it is about a sort of claustrophobia. You know, you're stuck in dislocate. You're stuck in the hospital. You're stuck mm-hmm. in the house. You're stuck in the the farming village, whatever, you know, 
whatever that is. Um, does the leaping around and having, you know, sort of a, a variety of areas reduce that sense of uh, claustrophobia? Yeah, it, it does a little bit. I mean, a lot of the areas that you're going to are still very claustrophobic in and of themselves. It's still a lot of places where, you know, you're in cramped hallways, you're in really tiny rooms, and uh, and you're going to be surrounded by enemies. But then you get into slightly bigger environments as well. I think the way that the game handles that um, and keeps the, the tension going is that when you're in those bigger environments, they tend to be environments that are full of enemies. Uh, so, you know, if I'm exploring, like, a little village... Um, I need to be really careful because there are going to be, you know, dozens of enemies around. And if I alert one of them, they're going to get all of their friends to come after me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it may not be a, a literally claustrophobic, uh, scenario, but it's, um, I still feel like I'm stuck in this small, tiny place trying not to be seen. Right. Um, uh, you mentioned briefly about the the chapter structure. Um, I was wondering mm-hmm. if you could tell me a little bit more about that because I, I I'm a big fan of this. Uh, and you've seen a few horror games use it actually. This sort of idea of a uh, an episodic structure um, w- within a game. Alan Wake uh, had it. D four actually uh, used a similar structure. Is that what we're talking about with Evil Within? Does it feel episodic in that way, or, or how does the chapter structure break down? I think the game would be better if it did feel more episodic. The The problem is that, um, and this is one of the issues that I bring up in my review, is that there's no there's no arc through these chapters. Um, there's not a sense of, of one specific thing driving you through each chapter. There's not a sense of each chapter building to a climax and then hitting that climax and then ending on a cliffhanger. There's nothing like that. Um, most of the chapters just kind of start and stop with, uh, with no real explanation behind it no real uh reason that i could figure out at least um so so i i found that kind of frustrating uh there's also no no real uh comparison of time between the chapters like some chapters are going to take you 15 minutes maybe maybe 20 minutes and some chapters are going to take you three or four hours um I have a few questions from uh, readers. Sure. Uh, a lot of Resident Evil 4 fans specifically um, um, curious about some stuff in the game. First, though, a question from Quicker McWild who commented, mm-hmm. how long is this game and are puzzles an important part of the gameplay? Sure. Uh, so for length, um, the in-game timer for me at the end was somewhere between 13 and 14 hours. Um, so, you know, it, it's definitely sizable. It's it's about what you would expect uh, from uh, from an action horror game. I don't think the in-game timer counted, uh, you know, times that I times that I died and had to restart and that kind of stuff. So quick note about in-game timers from uh, to, to developers from your friends, game reviewers. Some of us really rely on this to be right. So if you can make it so they don't keep going while the game is paused. That would be super helpful. I will say this. Shadow of Mordor. That was, I was like, well, I played 50 hours. I know you left it paused overnight, stupid. Uh, well, well, I will say this one, uh, from what I could tell, the in-game timer does stop when you have it paused. Thank goodness. Um, but and like I said, it also doesn't count like deaths and stuff, though, and like re redoing sections after you die. So um, it's actually probably going to take most people uh, a good amount longer than, than 13 hours. They're also um, not one shot, one kill, Phil. That's true. Uh, 
the in terms of puzzles, uh, there are a few. There are a handful of very small puzzles. Um, it's not a major part of the game, though. Um, it's it's very very minor, um, very occasional things will pop up, but for the most part, you're going to be focusing on on combat, and you're going to be focusing on trying to sneak past spooky enemies. Um, I got a question from uh, Symboline, which is really sort of a a, a holistic. Uh, exploration of horror games, but uh, I'd, I'd like you to weigh in on it because I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Line commented, I'm of the opinion that you can either have a horror-themed action game that has lots of shooting, upgrades, and is difficult, like Resident Evil 4, or you can have a horror game that has minimal combat, no upgrades, and is just difficult enough to stress you out but not kill you, like Silent Hill. Upgrades just push you towards fighting monsters, which you should avoid because you're terrified of them. Difficulty that results in frequent deaths results in you playing the same part in rapid succession, and each playthrough quickly drains the fear out of the game. Sounds like they try to go in between, which usually doesn't work too well. Alas, I could use a good scary game for Halloween. Do you think that's a, a fair descriptor, and do you do you agree with sort of the, the premise of that in terms of of uh, horror games? Sure. I mean, I don't necessarily want to, to ever put games in a box and say like it can only be this way or this way and there is no in between um but i do think uh cymbeline was the the commenter there mm-hmm. I, I think cymbeline was was right in that um i i do think that that this uh this game tries to to walk a line there it tries to to do an in between um between those two extremes and it uh yeah it definitely does not pull it off it definitely um runs into problems where you simultaneously want to get into combat because you want to get more upgrades and because you're you're upgrading your weapons and you want to test out the new weapons that you've upgraded um but then also you want to avoid combat because you don't have that much ammo and you can die really quickly um Mm -hmm. yeah there's definitely a weird in between and then it's also got you know it, it mixes silent hill and resident evil in that sense of it's got very resident evil shooting uh but also it's got a much more psychological focus, like a Silent Hill game. Uh, another comment, this one from Dissy. Um, I personally don't think the genre has advanced meaningfully in any way since Resident Evil 4. If anything, all the co-op driven nonsense like RE5 and 6 and Dead Space 3 would suggest a regression. Does this deliver as a successor to that? So if you're drawing a direct line between Resident Evil 4 and the evil within... Does does would it deliver in that way? I think what we for somebody like Dissy for a Dissy yeah. for the Dissies out there. <laughs> I think I think what I tweeted last night on on the Polygon account when I tweeted out the review was, um, was this is the best horror game of two thousand six. Um, so you know if you're if you want to move directly from Resident Evil four to the Evil Within, I think you're gonna see um. I don't think The Evil Within is as good as Resident Evil 4, even if it came out back then. But I think you're going to see the the evolution in that sense. Um, mm-hmm. I think you I think if this had come out a year or two um, after Resident Evil 4, people would have been uh, much more excited about it um, and much more like, oh, yeah, this is a direct continuation of what we loved in Resident Evil 4. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess if you're if you're coming at it from that perspective, um I think that I think that's that's the case. I will say I don't think it evolves the formula any. Um, I don't think it changes things significantly. It is pretty much a direct repeat of a lot of the stuff in Resident Evil Four. 
Phil, we don't make games here at Polygon. We uh, we just talk about them. But from your perspective as a, a reviewer, really not qualified to comment on it, do you think it's harder to make a great horror game than a great action game? Yeah, you know, I think it is. Um, I mean, I think, I you know, again, as you say, we don't make games, and I, I think there are lots of challenges in making any genre of video game. Um, but I think horror more than any other genre – um, you have to regulate emotions, um, the emotions of the player. You have to really understand how each and every point point in the game, how it's going to affect a player's emotions, and and how you can, uh, you know, change the environment or change the 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 monster encounter or change whatever to manipulate the emotions in exactly the way you want to make people scared. Um, it's it's really. In my mind, it seems like it is very challenging to do a very good horror game. Um, and I think to some degree, that's probably why we've seen uh, from Resident Evil 4 onward, um, seen horror games that are less straight horror and more a mix of action and horror. Um, it's 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 just, it's really tough. Do you think taste plays a bigger part in, in horror than, than with action games? Do you think... Um, you, you know, people are, are, are generally more uh, split about what horror games have been successful. Yeah, I think that's that's part of it. I think there's something to to be said for. Um, I, th- I think there's just generally a smaller audience for horror. Um, you, you look at something like action, and almost everyone plays action games. Almost everyone plays some action games, at least. Um, but when you look at horror, there's specifically there's you know, there's certain people who are really into horror and then there are certain people who aren't. And then the people who are really into horror tend to develop uh, very strong opinions about, well, this is the type of horror I like and this is the type I don't like. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I would be willing to say that plays a part in it, certainly. Um, Phil, a lot of times when viewers play a game, they don't really play anything else. Sometimes they don't do anything else <laughs> because we don't we very rarely have uh, big windows to uh you know, play through the game and finish the review. Um, when you play like a psychological horror game in like massive chunks like that, um, first off, uh, I was hoping if you could talk about like how you consumed this game and if it has like any kind of effect on you. Does, does sure. it like bum you out? Do you get spooked at your house full time? I get scared. I cry. Um, I, I will say this is actually, and, and this happens every once in a while with games, um, but, but, the evil within is a particularly noteworthy scenario. And I, I think, uh, I think horror games in general often fit this where, um, these aren't the type of games that, uh, benefit from playing in large chunks. Right. Um, and in fact, playing in, in, you know, long sittings actually in a lot of ways can actively make that experience worse. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's something that you have to take into account as a reviewer. Uh, so for me, you know, I had to, step back and uh, step back from my review experience a little bit and be like, okay, if I wasn't playing this under this crazy deadline and if I was able to take my time and if I was able to take breaks whenever I wanted and go back to it whenever I wanted, how would that change my feelings on it? Um, Mm -hmm. So actually, you know, prior to stepping back, um, I think I was actually a lot more negative on the game. Um, But when I stepped back, I was able to recognize like, okay, well, I have these problems here and here and here, and these are legitimate problems, but also stuff like, well, the gunplay does feel really good, and the upgrade system was really satisfying to me. Um, 
yeah, I think that that is a that's definitely something you have to take into account for any review, but uh, any review that's on a deadline, but also especially for a game like this where um, where where it can get a lot harder to uh, to play the game and enjoy it because of that deadline. Phil Kohler, thank you so much for uh, joining me. Thank you to you for listening there at home or wherever you happen to be. If you got a question for us here uh, on the show about a uh, review you've seen on Polygon or just want to chat us up, it's quality control at polygon.com. Uh, we'd sure love to hear from you. If you get a second and you could give us a review on iTunes uh, or a subscription there, that would be excellent. Uh, if you don't use iTunes, that's fine. Lots of people don't, but maybe tell a friend, hey, I enjoy this. Perhaps you will too. Um, that that would be excellent. That's the only way we have of spreading the word about the program, uh, and of course post, posting on our uh, video gaming website. Um, but uh, I think that's going to do it for us. Until next time, my name is Justin McRoy for Phil Kohler. Thank you so much for listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Mm-hmm.